Hey, Bus Bench Babes. Today we're going to do some myth busting. Can I afford to buy a house? Question of the hour. My question for you is, can you afford not to buy a house? That's the question. Let's dive in. You're listening to the Girl Get Your Face Off a Bus Bench podcast, where we invite you to check your ego at the app, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready to dive into all things real estate marketing, social media, friendship, hardship, love, money mindset, and all the things that celebrate you as a badass boss babe. We're here to encourage you, show up for you, give you a loving kick in the pants when you need it most, and be your soft place to land on the hardest of days. So pull up a seat at our table and get ready to be inspired and start living your best life by design. Welcome to the Girl Get Your Face Off a Bus Bench podcast. We are so excited you're here. Okay, girls, let's dive in. Hey, Bus Bench Babes, Beth here doing a solo episode. I think this one's going to be short and sweet, and we're going to talk all about renting versus buying. I know this topic kind of gets beat to beat to death, but I want to give you some stats that really I hope are going to be really eye-opening for you and maybe look at this from a different angle of maybe you can't afford you can't afford not to buy a house at this point. Um you've been renting long enough. I think I think in my personal opinion that you should consider and look into buying a house. So let's let's dive in. Rents. Rents across the United States are insane. Um, according to some stats, if you've been here at all, you know I'm like a stat nerd. Rents have been steadily rising since 1988. I don't know what that magic date of 1988. I don't know what was happening <laughs> before 1988. Uh, I Maybe they weren't tracking the rents steadily rising. But according to a stat I found, rents have been steadily rising since 1988. Um, apartmentlist.com said they put out a report that they said since January of 2021, the national median rental rate rose 17.8%. 17.8% people. That is almost 18% that rental rates have increased. That, that, that number kind of blows my mind. We're in the middle of a world health crisis, worldwide health crisis, and rents went up almost 18%. Why is that? I I don't know. I wasn't given any reason for that. I haven't been able to find any reason for that. Um, But for context, let's look at, so from in 2017 to 2019, the the average rental rate increased only 2.6%. So pre-pandemic, rental rates increased less than 3% a year. So it went from 3% a year appreciation or increase to almost 18%. That is a number that really should just kind of blow your mind. And for 2022, rents are expected to increase another 7.1%. I feel like it's getting to a point where how can you even afford rent? I if I'm going to go out on a limb and say I don't think that most people's income increased 
last year, and I don't think most people's income is going to increase another 7% this year. So if your income stays the same, or maybe during the pandemic, your income actually reduced. I There's plenty of people that I crossed paths with in the last couple of years. They said, we're just thankful to have our job, but we were asked to take a 20% pay cut just until the world like got its sea legs under it again. And just so our company didn't go under, they didn't want to lose people, but we all had to take a pay decrease in order to actually just keep our jobs. Um, so if you have the same income or maybe even less than what you had before, but your rent's increasing double digits every year, this isn't sustainable going forward. It's not even sort of sustainable. Then my question for people that rent is why, like, why, why are you renting? I cross paths with people that say, oh yeah, I've been renting the same house or the same apartment for years, five years, 10 years. Why? Why are you, why have you not bought a house yet? Especially 10 years ago when houses were super affordable compared to what they are today. Why have people, um, I think one of the biggest things that I hear from people, um, that are renters is that they just say that they don't, they either a don't have the credit or B don't have the down payment. So let's dive into those a little bit. So a, you don't have the credit. Um, if someone has credit, that's a little bit dinged up. Maybe you had some credit challenges. Maybe you're just someone that never, no one ever even taught you like the importance of credit and what it does or doesn't do. And then now as an adult, you're, you're like, I'm screwed. My credit is terrible. My credit's in the five hundreds and I literally can't get out from underneath this boulder of, you know, uncredit worthiness. Guess what? I've got some awesome lenders that love to have meetings with people just like you. And they say, okay, here's where we're at today. Let's get a game plan in place and let's be really strategic about things that we need to do to clean up your credit. I think it's easier for a lot of people to just put their head in the sand and say, this is terrible and it's not getting any better and it's never going to get any better. So I'm just going to pretend like it's not happening. Guess what? That is only going to make the problems worse, compounding the problems and keeping your credit, literally, let's just call it what it is, credit in the toilet is not doing you any good. There, It's so easy to repair your credit. It, it takes work. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie, but there are things to do if you're talking to the right person with the right strategy where you could turn your credit around in a year, sometimes less than a year. Just think about like a year from now, if all of a sudden you have great credit and you're able to buy a house, like how proud you would be of yourself. It's, it's so much fun to see the look on someone's face when they said, you know, when they're telling me, they're like, you wouldn't believe it. My credit was in like the five hundreds and I just like buckled down. I got serious. Somebody sat down and said, okay, here's what you need to do. Here's our roadmap. Do X, Y, Z, A, B, C. Here's all the steps that we're going to do. And then now we're buying our first house. Like the look of pride on those people's faces is really, truly something that's priceless. But the other thing to think about, maybe you don't, maybe your credit's just fine, but maybe you don't feel like you don't have a down payment. With all the instability with rentals right now and rental rates, if you buy a house and get a 30-year loan, your interest rate is locked for 30 years. Your payment's never going to change. 
The only variables on your payment that can change, which don't change generally that much, is your homeowner's insurance and your taxes that you pay to the city that you live in or the county that you live in. Other than that, your interest rate isn't going to change. And so for 30 years, you can stay in the same place and not have to deal with all the craziness that you would if you were staying in a, if you were in a rental and you're just at the mercy of the landlord and what they decide to do with your rent from year to year every time your rent um, your lease renews. So getting appreciation is also an awesome thing. So the average home in the United States last year, so the Home Equity Insight Report um, is put out by a company called CoreLogic. CoreLogic is something that um, that I use pretty regularly in my business to help figure out what valuations are in certain areas. They said the average homeowner in the United States last year gained $56,700 in equity. Yeah, $56,000. What that means is, is that just on average, homes went up. And that doesn't mean that you had to do any home improvements to make that happen. That is outside of you paying your house payment every month and then your um, your balance on your home, it keeps going down. That's outside of that. This is just your home on average across the country appreciated almost $57,000. Okay, I, I am going to go on a limb and say I... I can pretty much say the average person that I talked to did not have the wherewithal or ability to save $57,000 last year. With rents going up, maybe you took a hit on your wage last year during the pandemic. Um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be bold and make a statement that I, I doubt that you were able to save $57,000. Because if you were able to save $57,000, you probably won't be listening to this podcast episode because you probably are already living in a house or you've already saved that money and you're getting ready to buy a house right now. So there's so many awesome benefits um, to home ownership. Putting roots down in your community, um, getting appreciation every year, having an interest rate that's locked and you don't have to worry about your payment continuing to go up every year, um, having a sense of belonging and community um, within the area where you live. I know for me, like something that I got involved in once we moved to the area where we live, I've gotten involved in my local rotary and it is so incredible to meet like-minded people from my community a majority of them are business owners, um, really entrepreneurial spirits. And I didn't even know this, Rotary raises money to give back to our community. So we give back locally and we give back abroad. And it is so cool. And it's not something that I ever even considered. You know, I've been a homeowner and lived in other parts of the Twin Cities. I've lived in other parts of the country. Um, but I never... I never really dug into my community like I have since I have at this stage of my life. And feeling like this sense of community and meeting all these incredible people just like that live in my neighborhood, people that I would have literally would have never crossed paths with otherwise. I just really feel like there's there's something to be said about that with like being a homeowner and really like digging in and feeling like I'm a part of something bigger. I guess that's what it is, is like, I feel like I'm a part of something bigger and that feels really, really special and really like good. Like it makes my warm, my, my insides all warm and fuzzy, even thinking about it is that I'm a part of something bigger that on my own, I really wouldn't have had 
any ability to make this sort of impact that I do um, without being involved in Rotary. So that's, that could be a whole nother, that could be a whole nother episode, but let's get back to the topic at hand. Um, Being a homeowner is I think one of the biggest things that I hear from people when I ask like, why, why have you been a longtime renter? You know, I have these conversations. So sometimes it's like, okay, well, we were in college and now we're just like getting our first job or we moved across the country. And so just renting seemed like it made the most sense. But then sometimes I talk to people like I got divorced a few years ago and instead of buying another house, I decided to be a renter. Well, now's the time to buy. You, um, uh, one of the big myths out there is that you need a 20% down payment. And that's just simply not true. So if you put a 20% down payment or more on a home, you can avoid paying mortgage insurance. And I think that's one of the main reasons people say, well, I'm not paying that damn mortgage insurance. Why not? If that is the catalyst to get you into a home and you have to pay mortgage insurance for a year or two, who cares? Mortgage insurance is actually a good thing. Um, Homes are appreciating so fast these days too that you're not stuck with a mortgage insurance forever. By law, the lender can't keep your mortgage insurance on your home just indefinitely. So there is a natural point when you've paid off 20% of your home where the mortgage insurance has to drop off and the lender has to stop it. But if you can prove that you have more equity sooner than that in the home, well, and based on appreciation rates, if you're going to be getting $57,000 or more in appreciation every year, you're going to get to that 20% equity a lot quicker than what you think you're going to get. Um, according to NAR, which is the National Association of Realtors, the average first-time homebuyer only put 7% down on their home that they purchased last year. The interesting thing is, is that there are loan programs out there where you can get into a home for as low as 3%. So on a conventional loan, you can get into a home for as low as 3%. There are some income guidelines that go along with that. But then if you make too much money, then your next number would be 5%. So you really could get into a home for 5% down. Or if maybe you were slightly more credit challenged and you had to do an FHA loan, um, the minimum down payment there is 3.5%. So you can get into a house for considerably less than what the average first-time home buyer did last year. Um, this stat I thought was super interesting. So across, so same thing, another stat out of NAR, National Association of Realtors, said all homes across all price points last year, the average down payment was only 13%. So I think some buyers think, well, you know, at some point I'm going to, you know, put down 30% or 40% or, you know, I'm just going to have so much money saved up after I, you know, sell my first house that I'm going to put a ton of money down. Well, maybe that doesn't make sense. Maybe your financial planner has a different plan for your money. So it's, it's interesting that even, you know, half a million, three quarters of a million, million dollar homes, the average down payment was only 13%. That's a lot less that actually... <laughs> Uh, I'm going to, yeah, to me that like that number even surprised me and I'm in the trenches day in and day out. 13% is really pretty minimal when you're thinking like your maybe your move up house, you sell your first house and you have a bunch of equity. Um, but people are still not putting down on average tw- the 20% down. So I don't know why people get that magical number in their head, but it, it is absolutely not the case. Um, there is even first-time homebuyer programs out there or down payment assistance type programs out there. 
uh, where you can get into a home. And I've seen people like pay a thousand dollars at closing because they've gotten down payment assistance program, down payment assistance of some sort. And it comes up and, you know, if you could get some sort of seller credit for closing costs and you get down payment assistance program, which would cover your three to 5%, it's incredible these days. So if you're using that as your excuse that you can't get into a home because um, you don't have the money, I'm just going to call BS on that because there are programs where you absolutely do not need that 20% down. So what's the moral of the story here? Moral of the story is rental rates are rising. They're not going to stop going up. At some point, you're going to be priced out of the you're going to be priced out of the program of renting because you're not going to be able to afford your rent anymore. So my encouragement for you this year, if you have buying and owning your own home on your vision board in your bucket list, I would encourage you to reach out, find a awesome real estate professional in your area. I mean, if you're in the Twin Cities area, the BPR experience would love to work with you. But if you're in another part of the country or if you live in another part of the country, reach out. I've got contacts all over the country of incredible agents that are patient, that are really love to educate you in, in a kind and gentle manner. Nobody's going to school you and tell you that you're an idiot for renting all these years. It's just, we're going to put kid gloves on and say, okay, it's time to stop renting. Let's get you into a house. We're going to do it with love. We're going to do it with kindness. But if you're worried about having a conversation like that with a real estate agent, let me find you a real estate agent some wherever you are in the country that can walk you through it um, with tenderness, kindness, love, patience, and help you help you navigate either A, fixing your credit, B, finding you that home, helping you find a loan officer that specializes in a loan program that really is going to make the most sense for you. And let's do that. Let's get you into a home this year. If this is something that you've always wanted to do and you just have heard you know, your parents say, well, you can't buy a house unless you put 20% down, that's just simply not the case anymore. And let's have a conversation. Let's see how we can get you into a home before home prices go up so high that you can't afford that either. Like we don't want that for you. I want everyone that wants to own a home be able to realize their their dream of home ownership. There really truly is nothing like it. I can still remember the very first time I bought my first house and I I sold real estate and I didn't own a house when I first got my real estate license. And I think Real estate agents are kind of doing their clients a disservice by not really knowing how that process works. But there was nothing that was more fulfilling being able to get a loan on my own, not having to get a co-signer, not having to call my mom and say, mom, I need, you know, I need help. I used a down payment, um, first time home buyer program that was, you know, hot at the time. So I was able to get into my first, this super darn cute condo when I lived in Tampa, all on my own, no help. And I called, my parents came to visit me. I still remember this. My parents came to visit me for Thanksgiving and I was renting a, you know, a really nice condo in the area. And I said, Hey, let's go on a field trip. I have a surprise to show you. And they're like, what is happening? I think maybe they thought I was going to like go introduce them to a guy or something that I was dating. And I drove across town and we pulled into this really cute townhome condo community. And they're like, what are we doing here? 
And I said, I'm surprised to show you. And we're walking down the sidewalk and they're looking at me like, oh my God, this child's lost her mind. And I was, how old was I? I think I was like 27 at the time. Um, but this was a big deal. I was grew up in Minnesota and um, it was, you know, I was the, I'm the oldest of three, first one to move across the country. And I opened the door to my new house and they're just standing there going, what? And I'm like, I bought this house. I'm like, this is going to be my house. I'm closing in like two weeks. And like the look of pride on, I'm going to get emotional. The look of pride on their faces when I, they're like, you didn't like, you didn't even have to call us. Like you didn't need any money. You didn't need anything for this. And I said, no, I like, I did this all on my own. I, I like literally will never, never forget that. I felt so, I felt so proud of myself. And so now it's, it's always been one of my passions. People, I, I think a lot of people think that I don't even work with first time home buyers anymore. I still do. I, it's still a passion for me because I can specifically like bring myself back to that time when I bought my first house the amount of pride that I had being able to do that and fix my credit. I had had some credit issues along the way in college when I decided to stop paying my department store credit card. <laughs> I remember all of that and like very vividly. So buying your first home, it's a big deal. So, and this doesn't even have to be your first home, but I know what it's like to have credit challenges. I know what it's like to overcome them. I know what it's like to own your first house. I know what it's like to do it as a single person. Um, I, I think that you should reach out if this is something that's on your bucket list. I would love to have a conversation with you. Okay. Bust punch babes. <laughs> I threw a lot at you today. Some stats, uh, maybe some tough love, but if buying a home in 2022 is something that you are really set on doing, we would love to have a conversation with you. Don't let credit, don't let lack of money be the thing that makes you put this off for another year. Reach out. Let's have a conversation. Let's get a game plan in place. Everyone should own a home if they really want to own a home. So until next time, keep your face off a bus bench and keep being the badass boss babe that you are. Okay, girls, are you feeling as inspired as we are? We're over here cheering you on because you just finished another episode of the Girl Get Your Face Off a Bus Bench podcast. If you want more, head over to girlgetyourfaceoffabusbench.com for show notes and more episodes. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. They mean the world to us and they're what keep us going. Girl, thanks for being here. 